and welcome back to the Brothers Book Club podcast. We are here with another book review episode. This will be an overview and recommendation or not of a book. We are still, folks, deep, deep in the Penguin Little Black Classics Collection book review series. This is going to be episode or edition 58 of those reviews. This is a, if you're joining us for the first time, this is a review series we've done on a collection of slim short volumes that Penguin put together of world literature. Today's will be by an author's who name I did not look up to pronounce, uh, Giorgio Vasari is what I'm going to go with, and it is called Leonardo da Vinci. Joining me on the other end is intrepid pod wanderer, pod, podderer, ponderer, Amanda. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> every time a new intro, every time it gets worse. But I think ponderer is going to be... I, I like that. And, you know, you want to mix it with pod to make it kind of a, a more of a pun, but like potterer sounds terrible. Sounds yeah. like bad pod racer from that Star Wars movie. <laughs> Phantom Menace. Let's go with let's go with ponderer. I think I that's it. actually pretty great for now. If you accept it, then I I like nicknames that everyone can accept. You know, I don't want a nickname to be a cruelty. Right. Right. I so, enjoy yeah. it. <laughs> ponderer it is and i am here to ponder alongside you amanda at this collection of italian would we say art history art criticism i think it's a mixture of both i think so kind of biography kind of art history a little bit of a blend of each uh, we will see how well either of those elements were incorporated as we continue on with the review today so let's get into it let's get to recommending some literature we will begin our reviews as always with a one sentence simile review amanda i usually uh what do they say bump the volleyball to you i set you up with these oh, nice. yeah mm-hmm. and let's let's continue that tradition so go ahead and start us off with your simile today sure um I said that reading this is like going on a house tour with an obsequious realtor. So just imagine like you're going to a house expecting like facts and you're going to look at like the pros and cons, but this person is really excited about it. And he says things like, oh my gosh, this living room is amazing. Look at these vaulted ceilings. Oh, just ignore Mm -hmm. that crack there. That's not anything, but look at this. (laughs) And so it's like, um, the, the way that the author was writing, it seemed like he was super excited about the, the artist that he was writing about, at least in these three collections. And uh, he would like sometimes make like a, a remark about like, yeah, maybe he wasn't so good with, you know, drawing hands, but it's fine. It was whatever. But he was so great at this other thing. <laughs> so His enthusiasm is perhaps not the sort of detached intellectual take you would expect for art history or art criticism, perhaps. For sure. So I, I, th- I would hope and think that those boundaries or the way people appreciate the art they like, whether it's fine art or visual art like this or just other forms, has, you know, I think those, I don't think it's all caught up in the ivory tower maybe, or hopefully not as much as it has been in like hundreds of years past. This, by the way, is a what, approaching 500 year old writing, right? right? So, yeah, no, I think that's a good point. His Is it tonally, his enthusiasm is clear very much frequently uh, very often i guess i should say mm-hmm. and so yeah I, I agree i think that comes through my simile review will be uh perhaps on the, the more negative side though i think also has some amusement to it there's a scene in the popular show the office which if you're listening to this uh, in the year 2020 you probably know what the office is I the main so. character the, the bumbling boss michael there's one episode 
kind of midway through the show, I guess, where he quits the paper company he works at and Mm -hmm. it happened in a sort of unpredictable and sort of exciting fashion. So when he comes back to the office, they're trying to get the story out of him and and hear the exciting tale. They want the drama fed to them. And he just isn't forthright. He keeps giving away all these odd details and distracting himself and, you know, turning off left when he should turn right and et cetera. Doesn't deliver the goods basically. Mm -hmm. And I think this had f- that feeling to me where I knew there was some potency, but what I expected, or I think more so what I wanted was not delivered. It just became a frustrating divergence that, yeah, it didn't, didn't lead to the story I wanted, or it was filled with frustrating divergences, I guess I should say. Mm-hmm. Well, if you go, I feel like if you go in there expecting a, a particular I don't know if you're expecting either a biography, like a straight up biography, or if you're going in expecting um, an art critique, I think that you're going to be a bit waylaid by the way that he Mm -hmm. actually writes. Yeah. And it's sort of, and we mentioned this right away, but it's worth saying again, and I'm sure we'll revisit this idea. It's sort of both and neither, and it fully commits to neither, I think is what I'm trying to say. And so it, it ends up being a sort of, appreciative biography, but not, and see the thing is, and I, and I don't want to skip ahead, but we're doing it. Um, our literary <laughs> corner will be about biography. The biography has become a genre basically in the last 100 years, especially in the last, I don't know, like since world war two, basically it seems like biography has really picked up steam as its own mega popular genre. Mm-hmm. It seems like, for example, today that every president deserves to have 12 biographies about themselves. And that was not always a genre of literature that did not always exist. And so I, I don't know, I'm not even a person who really enjoys biography, but I guess I had certain expectations for cohesion, I, I guess would be the thing. And mm. it, it, it's chronologically cohesive in a way, but then distracts itself with art criticism too at times. So it kind of, yeah, it does feel rather unfocused or I suppose, as you mentioned, obsequious would be, I think the maybe more complimentary way to put it. It just feels energetic, I suppose. Let's make some connections then, because as we mentioned, it's a 500 year old text, uh, nonfiction about art and artists. So, you know, your connections (laughs) will vary. I found this one actually to be one of the more challenging ones. And by that, I mean, I maybe had to think three minutes instead of one. Cause usually I try and keep my connections pretty. I want to go with the first thing I think of. I want to keep them pretty honest and upfront. Right. I, I don't want to think about the connections too hard because then I think you can just be forcing it. This one though, I, I did have to sit and think for a bit. And I suppose what I came away with was just how artists are kind of eccentric geniuses, or I, I know that's not universally true, right? The world needs too many artists for them all to be, you know, off-putting, difficult to manage personalities who are who have just individual brilliance inside of them or something. A lot of them are just competent, skilled craftspeople. Mm-hmm. But this r- did remind me that oftentimes extreme personalities can harvest or not harvest can can contain or withhold in them extreme talent. And so, because a lot of the anecdotes in this are kind of goofy and some of them are sort of silly and even destructive. And so I think that kind of archetype is held up over time, the sort of eccentric genius persona. I'm not sure if you found any connections to the artist either. What was yours, Amanda? Yeah, that was pretty much um, my connection. I um, said specifically like the interest in celebrities is it kind of, so I was like drawing comparisons to the, the Mozart reading that we did where... 
Yeah, I, yeah. I made the connection to the Kardashians there where it's like peeking into the Kardashians, but like, you know, a classier form of it. And this one is like also an interest in celebrities, but I, I drew a comparison to Kanye West, who's like all over the news right now because of his eccentric behavior. So that ties into your yeah, yeah. connection as well. Yeah, when you're throwing shade at Harriet Tubman in public, you're it's it's bad. You're in a bad spot. There's no, <laughs> there's really no life condition where that's where your life path should take you. If you end up, right. if you end up in that position, you should just start asking some crucial questions about what's happening and what you're doing and where your life has led you. So yeah, that does seem. He does seem to be in a bad way at the moment. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I think, yeah, the, the windows that we put on celebrities, I guess the the magnifiers that we put on them, I still view that as a kind of new phenomena just because of TV and mm-hmm. the prevalence of information. But it's definitely not new to be interested in elites, though, and publish right. about them and write about them. I mean, these are truly ancient almost topics. Uh, Epic of Gilgamesh, you know, let's go way back. So, you know, as long as there has been power, there's been interest in power. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, no, I think that's a great connection. And I think, were there any particular artist lives or details in here that reminded you of something from 2020? Or was it just the general eccentricity? Just the general ex- eccentricity, I guess, specifically yeah. like Lippy, like his... Um, <laughs> his Philandering? <laughs> yeah yeah it's philandering yeah. i like that yeah <laughs> yeah it's philandering i believe would be like pretty fitting way to put it yeah <laughs> basically yeah he rapunzel himself we'll get there later <laughs> let's then begin as we love to do here to give some details this is where we'll jump to the quotes part of the review episode we'll give some quotes for specificity let me start with one just because i think this is going to be the only positive quote i pick and it mm-hmm. it I think it's a good display of the oddities contained within and the sort of interesting, favorably interesting artist behavior that is on display in the section about Leonardo da Vinci. Um, and there are three artists covered in here, which I know you mentioned, but in the section about Leonardo da Vinci, he tells us quote, again, Leonardo used to get the intestines of a bullock scraped completely free of their fat cleaned and made so fine that they could be compressed into the palm of one hand. Then he would fix one end of them to a pair of bellows lying in another room, and when they were inflated, they filled the room in which they were and forced anyone standing in there into a corner. Thus, he could expand this translucent and airy stuff to fill a large space occupying only a little, and he compared it to genius. He perpetuated hundreds of follies of this kind. So immediately what I want when I finish that story is just scrap the rest of your draft and write out the hundred others and then I'll be very content. What other (laughs) follies, what other childlike games did Leonardo da Vinci and pranks really did he play? This sounds like jackass quality and I do mean that not in terms of just a generic insult, but the films and the show. Oh yeah. Yeah, this is a jackass quality stunt he's pulling. It's really a kind of a whoopee cushion, but not the joke isn't about flatulence. Then the joke is about like having a thing suddenly like a balloon suddenly appear and kind of burst open or not explode, but occupy the volume of the room. Anyway, it's that kind of odd and fun detailed anecdote, really, that kept me, I guess, hooked. I think I read through it actually pretty cleanly. I don't think this one gave me a lot of pause. I just wish there were more of that, but I did enjoy it when it came up. Yeah. Um, the That's funny because the Leonardo da Vinci one that I have, I think is um, they must have, the one that I printed out must have uh, cut out quite a few 
oh, uh, okay. pieces. But so I didn't get to see that part of Leonardo. Um, but oh, okay. that reminds me actually of, of Botticelli, Sandro Botticelli, um, who was also apparently a prankster. And so I found that interesting too, like all these, um, the follies, the flaws, the, the, the actual humanness of these um, artists. And, and with the Botticelli, the one that I pulled was, uh, Sandro was a man of very pleasant humor, often playing tricks on his disciples and his friends. And then he goes on to talk, uh, to give the story of when Botticelli, <laughs> um, he, tricked his disciple and he like sold a painting of his disciples and um, got the buyer in on the trick. So he set up the, the painting and he was like, Hey, uh, disciple, go get your, your dude and uh, tell him to come get it. And while he was gone, they like put the caps on the, the angels that are surrounding the painting. And then he comes back and right, he's like mortified. Right. But then the, the, the person who's buying the art is like, in on it so he's just like oh yeah the, these painting is so beautiful and it's like totally ignored it and so he thought that he was like going crazy <laughs> yeah this reminded me of how people often leverage criticisms against modern art galleries and the way art is sold and marketed all that stuff it would be like if someone you told an art critic that this is an original Banksy and you had like verified it in front of them, even though it wasn't. And so of course they get all rapturous and they're like, Oh, the, the genius of the Banksy, this is worth $5 million. And then you just tell them that your, you know, six year old nephew made it quick. And (laughs) it's sort of like that where you're just exposing their absurdity that they, you know, they'll just go along with whatever is in the in at the moment or the in art. Yeah. It felt very much like that. It was, it was a pretty funny joke actually. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I agree. Like I really enjoyed those little tidbits. Like I, it, it's like gossip mongering, right? He, the, the stories that he chose to tell, it was, it was less like biography. I mean, those are like pieces of their lives, but it's, uh, the, the funny pieces that maybe we wouldn't get from a textbook, which is why I found it more interesting. Certainly. No, this is, this is textbook plus. I completely agree on that account, even encyclopedia plus, although I guess that's kind of the same genre of writing, but I think you get the point. It's, it's sort of, you do get a bit more personality and that comes through clearly the, the author of this seems quite excited to give these details and yeah, just focus on the humanity of it. The, the good, the bad, the weird, you know, I guess that's a movie title. Um, (laughs) I'll quickly mention that without really reading it, but another quote I was going to give was about Lippy. There, at times it just felt withholding of that, though, I suppose. And so I came to expect maybe more of the eccentric or more of the odd. There's a part, for example, when it explains that Lippy got his wife by, quote, stealing her from the nuns and taking her away, which with Lippy could be literal or could be just a wooing. I, I don't really know. You, who yeah. knows with that guy? And anyway, I, it just pulled up a little short. And not that I'm expecting this biographer or writer to know all the details. I'm not asking for a journalistic endeavor, but I guess it just became frustrating to see some of that shine through. And then at other times it feels like they pulled up and just kind of it's like they tantalize you with the summary of it or, or some kind of side detail without fully diving in. Well, with the Filippo's stuff, his uh, or Lippy stuff, his mm-hmm. was more uh, sexual. Whereas with Da Vinci and with yeah. Botticelli, it was more like innocent play. So I'm wondering if it has something to do with like the, the scandalous nature 
of Lippi's exploits versus yeah. Da Vinci and Botticelli. I mean, on my 37, it's about Lippi. He lived honorably from his work and he spent extravagantly on his love affairs, which he pursued all his life until the day he died. So that was yeah. that was the grand focus <laughs> and the grand endeavor of his life, other than I suppose some of his art. Yeah. <laughs> I'll also say that I loved, I did Google, this is another, this is a criticism I'm going to mention against this book, though I can't really fault it, which is when you talk this much about art and you don't have visuals in your book, I'm just out. I just don't want to do the Googling myself. I just do not want to. I'm sorry. Just this much art talk deserves art in it. And of course, with this, you're never going to get that. Just that's a publication issue. That's like, this is not a large print book with color or whatever. But I did do some Googling then. I couldn't take it anymore. I can only read so many paragraphs about a picture without just Googling the picture if it's still around. Mm -hmm. And so I don't really like any of their art, frankly. (laughs) Uh, I didn't find any of it to be enjoyable to look at. It's, I thought, a little bland. But the sketching, which was something they bring up with Leonardo, that he was a great sketch. He could sketch things. Uh, That I found quite fascinating, kind of this architectural really precise line drawing stuff I thought was pretty beautiful. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to mention that quickly. I personally, again, I can't really, it's an odd thing because I can't really fault the author for not including it. That's not, that wouldn't have been expected. Also, it was 500 years ago. What are you going to take a picture? And so it's an odd thing because I personally found it very bothersome to try and visualize it or engage with it. But uh, yeah, teach their own, I think. I think so. That was going to be one of my questions to you was whether you had the pictures in it, because the one that I printed out through Project Gutenberg included Mm -hmm. several pictures. Great. It's a perfect edition. No, mine has none. There are no visuals in my book. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's that is frustrating. I think it would be frustrating for me because there is critique within the the actual writing. So if for you to really understand the critique, you have to look at the picture. Of course. Yeah, let's just jump right into that then. I think I have a quote about the sort of art criticism aspect, which I know we've mentioned, mm-hmm. because it, at times it does just delve into just straight up art criticism, criticism of style, criticism of choice. On 43, the quote I pulled, which again, I, it's because I didn't really love it, but it says, Botticelli painted this work with exquisite care and assurance, introducing the portraits of Matteo and his wife kneeling at the foot. Although the painting is so great that it should have silenced envy, it provoked some malevolent critics to allege, not being able to fault it on any other score, that both Matteo and Sandro had fallen into the sin of heresy. Again, without the visual, that means basically nothing. And I think, I guess, and it, it, this is maybe again a, a fake or uh, not fake criticism, it's real, but an unfair one. I, I think I just want more than about the specific decisions made in the piece. I think a lot of, he does get into that sometimes, but again, it always feels like it pulls up a bit to me where it's like, here's a couple of insights into the specific things, like the angle of a hand or the size of a person's head or the, this animal was included for this metaphorical reason or whatever. There, there is that. It just never felt like enough. I guess it felt like a lot of things, but never enough of anything to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, so it's meant to be like, like that. Just, sorry. I was going to say that it was meant to be like little blurbs about each person. So it'd be difficult to yeah, do like yeah. a deep dive on, on just one aspect when you feel like you have to kind of include several different things. Completely. Yeah, no. And I, and it's almost like it's working within the genre, the sort of brief the, again, this is encyclopedic in length, kind of, but it's a fun one. It's a, it's a more fun version of an encyclopedia entry. So 
in that sense, I yeah, I completely agree. It's has more of a voice, has more of a tone. And again, I can't really fault it. You know, if this were a 300 page book about the life of Leonardo da Vinci, then you would get extraordinary analysis or whatever comparisons in art history, comparisons to genres or movements or, you know, stylistic choices. But yeah, it, I guess it just seeing it come up often enough to provoke the questions in me, but then not answer the questions. And that again, could just be an unfair criticism of a genre. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So any other quotes? I'm sure you had some others that you wanted to throw out there. Anything else you enjoyed? Well, uh, I was also going to point out the the art critiquing, but actually that was something that yeah. I enjoyed. Um, and I think that of he course. chose the the most famous works of the artists in order to kind of mm-hmm. discuss and analyze. And um, I also really liked that. I thought that he was also like, he also included the critiquing to kind of explain like, why they were important during that time during the the what is that the italian renaissance maybe i don't know when when that was um but 1500s or 1400s i think roughly yeah Yeah, 1500s late 1400s 1500s. um so but i enjoyed that part and and i thought that he did a good job of explaining like the symbolism and and certain things um yeah yeah. in the pictures. So I, I liked that. Um, I also wanted to point out <laughs> just how subjective his biography is. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so if you look at the very first paragraph for Da Vinci, he's like, obviously he's a huge fan of Da Vinci. He's, um, oh, you mean God? He's a huge fan <laughs> of basically God. <laughs> exactly. So from, from the very first, I'll just read the first sentence. The greatest gifts are often seen in the course of nature, reigned by celestial influences on human creatures, and sometimes, in supernatural fashion, beauty, grace, and talent are united beyond measure in one single person, in a manner manner that to whatever such a one turns his attention, his every action is so divine that, surpassing all other men, it makes itself clearly known as a thing bestowed by God, as it is, and not acquired by human art." This one, this was seen by all mankind in Leonardo da Vinci. Mm-hmm. And he goes on to say that not only was he physically beautiful and his hands were just so talented, but he was a genius who came up with all the, like he just extolled all of mm-hmm. like the, the best things about da Vinci. Everything he could yeah. do no wrong. Apparently. Some, some <laughs> virtues earned and some just naturally given. Yeah. No, I think and it's a rich description and really quite a, like you've pointed out, a strong tone to set right away at the beginning of a, you know, biography. Mm-hmm. And it, I, yeah, I don't know. I can't listen to that and think it's not a really fun hyperbolic way to throw you into, you know, getting really revved up to read about an, an impactful person or an influential person. I think it just, maybe it doesn't maintain that excitement though. It kind of does. I wish uh, I was going to use this pod to help unpack my review and feelings more, but I feel like I'm only getting stuck deeper in some kind of quagmire. I, I suppose my reaction to this was, I don't know why I didn't enjoy reading it more. Maybe it's as simple as the no visuals thing was really just bogged me down after a while. But then again, you know, it's 2020. You can go find your own visuals, people. Don't be too lazy about it like I was. <laughs> I was reluctant <laughs> to start Googling things, and then I thought, I just can't. I need to I need to put eyes on this thing he's describing. Did you have any other quotes that you thought kind of illustrated the style? Well, I think we unpacked it. I mean, and I hopefully I said that, snuck that in there somewhere in my rambling. I really enjoyed the art criticism when it was specific. Like the quote I gave, I gave to show 
that sometimes he just kind of generically said, and he was extravagant or he did great or his, his pen or his uh, painting was, was phenomenal. And it's just like, that's not, that doesn't help me understand a style choice or that doesn't help me understand a movement or something. Well, you know, Um, it didn't feel analytical. It felt, I guess, celebratory, but was there any other quotes you wanted to get in before we move to the, the literary corner? No, I'm good. Excellent. Yeah. I think we gave a good representation. Way to go us. Pat on the back. Literary corner time then, folks. This is the educational segment of our review episodes where we try and teach you, the listener, just a little bit of something about literary history. Went with a really straightforward one today, Amanda, and I see that you have not challenged me on it. So fair enough. (laughs) Fair play to you. Um, I don't know how you could get away from this one. This is really basic, and I I don't think we've done this yet. So here we go. We're going to talk about the biography which is an account of a person's life and a branch of history as a literary form. It has become increasingly popular since the second half of the 17th century, before which period it is quite rare. Almost any form of material is germane to the biographer's purpose, including, you know, letters, correspondence, any first or secondhand accounts, whatever, even histories can be useful. Since the 1950s, the art of biography has burgeoned and biography has become a major publishing industry especially in the United States for presidents. I feel like, my God, there or even like the, the founding fathers, which is a term we bandy about here. I feel like all of those folks, those men really have gotten like a hundred biographies written about them. It's kind of, you know, these major landmark events or whatever. Mm-hmm. How did you find these works as acts of biography? I mean, there was, you had some of the history, right? You had like the youth, the birth and the death. And, but the, mm-hmm. the life in between was just mostly about like the art. So you right. get like, it's right. like bookends biography and then you get the, the history of the art and some like little tidbits and gossip in between. But I feel like that the biography part was just like kind of the front and the back end of that. Would this have done better or worse for you, do you think, if it had been one of the artists, pick, take your pick, pick one, but interspersed with a lot of kind of firsthand account stuff, like here's a letter I found, here's a, th- here's a note he published and I'm repo, you know, and I'm going to explain the, con- the contextualization of it. I'm going to explain the context of it. Would that have, do you think added or would you have rather read that? Cause I guess part of what my brain was doing was wondering what a more thorough version of each of these would look like instead of reading three. I think that would have been it. Like, have you read, um, uh, the biography of Jane Austen? Um, what the, what the crap is that called? Um, they made a movie of it with Anne Hathaway. Hmm. I don't Uh, think so. Yeah. That was really well written. It includes letters and, and, contextualizes everything and also discusses like uh the literature a little bit doesn't do any like deep dive analysis of the literature but kind of like explains where the literature probably came from uh okay so i thought that was really interesting and i think that that i i would also like to read something like that as far as like an artist that you know like da vinci or something like that that'd be amazing um but i think that for what it is for these little blurbs of almost like the back of like a, a book right where you get the little blurb about an, uh the author yeah I, yeah that, that was actually that's how i was kind of reading it and so it didn't bother me 
as much. Yeah. No, I think, and it's, and again, it's quite an unfair criticism that is perhaps going to skew my score here for me to imagine a a different form and then critique this because it's not that. I, I feel like this has come up in other episodes as well, but. I just don't like criticizing things that way. It seems absurd to do so. I mm-hmm. just suppose because this was clearly one foot in one thing and one foot in the other, I guess that's what's drawing me into think I just would have preferred picking a foot, you know, and diving in or jumping in, or I don't know how I'm going to run that metaphor into the ground. But anyway, yeah, I just, it, it felt like give me the pure art criticism part of it and go, go really heavy. Show me, you know, show me a three month period of their work and do the, you know, I feel like people do this with Picasso all the time. Like here's a two month period when he lived in this one city and my God, he, you know, this is the meticulous little changes in his style over this period. Or, right. you know, just like give me more about their interpersonal madness. Give me the hundreds of Leonardo da Vinci pranks or whatever. And so, yeah, it's something about its push pull nature kind of left me feeling that though you know i i'm not going to sit here and pretend that biographies is genre i even like even a little really it's not really something i enjoy reading uh when i like my nonfiction, i like it to be kind of sweeping and to make bigger claims across periods i guess i i could define it that way so an intimate portrayal of a real person has never been something i've jumped on to i'm not sure if you feel that way i'm not not sure if it's a genre you like or even enjoy i generally like i don't read much nonfiction. Um, even like with history and stuff, I'm, I've never been a huge fan of history. I, I like yeah, historical yeah. fiction, <laughs> but sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. Biographies, no, I tend to kind of stay away from that. I only read the Jane Austen biography uh, because it's Jane Austen. So, and I hope we always continue on this pod to promote reading things that are not favorites, that are not favorites of genre, style, author, et cetera, time period, whatever. And I think this is a good collection. The Penguin Collection is a good collection to. I don't know, push the boundaries, you know, push us around in terms of geography or culture or wherever, time period even. So I certainly did not find this a disdainable read or a really disagreeable one. Uh, I just, yeah, had a weirdly strong reaction to moments in it. Hmm. With that said, I think the biography in it is mostly fine. But yeah, the art history and the art criticism that sneaks its way in makes it kind of an oddly tilting biography. It's kind of it's strange. And with no primary sourcing and no primary documentation, I think for anyone who loves biography in 2020, this will seem odd, I think, to you, like incomplete. Yeah. And, you know, for better or worse, it's like we've covered and kind of encyclopedic in its nature. Let's jump to the actual reviews then, Amanda, unless you have any final thoughts on biography. Do you? Nope. I'm good. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. Let's jump into the Russell French In Memoriam What's Good About It segment. This is where we enjoy and celebrate even just one small thing in a work we read. I thought the anecdotes were fun. That's, I mean, I'm going to keep it pretty simple. I know we've covered this by now, but I thought the anecdotes in it were pretty good. When they were specific, they were amusing, really strange, uh, maybe even creepy at times in a not as fun or funny way. And I think, I mean, there's a literal point when the um, Filippo Lippi guy, like, ties a bedsheet to a window he's imprisoned in and like repels down. And so, and to go on a sexual es- escapade, of course, hopefully <laughs> consensually though, it, I, it really was sketchy with this fellow. I don't know, man, <laughs> given the time period and the amount of information this biographer was privy to, I'm not my hope. My outlook is not positive on that, but hopefully it was a fun night for everybody anyway. <laughs> so I just thought those absurd things were really fun to read. How about you? 
Yeah, that that particular escapade for him too lasted several days, if I recall correctly. So. Fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, really running rampant there. <laughs> yeah. Um. So what I I enjoyed about it was that I did enjoy actually the the blending of it. I thought that the blending of the the art critique, the biography, and then almost just like storytelling. Almost, um, I enjoyed that because it made it seem unique and it made it different from other biographies that. Um, I've read uh, previously. So I enjoyed that. And I also enjoyed that uh, the selections that were chosen for the collection uh, here, yeah. um, they they all had the same time period, essentially. So like Lippi yeah. trained Botticelli um, and then Botticelli was a contemporary of Da Vinci. So they knew each other. So it right, was like, Right. All of it was kind of connected, and I thought that was pretty smart. Um, and maybe the, this is me desiring more of a textbook-like organization. Could you say that you came out of this comfortably being able – not – I mean, I don't mean to put you on the spot like comfortably like you're some student or academic or whatever. But could you give me even a couple of points of compare and contrast between them? Because I left this with none in my brain. Like I, And I don't know if that's on me for not reading it with enough caution or if it's on me – for not looking up the pictures soon enough to actually start to really deeply ingrain what the differences were. But I just, and that's why I guess we can transition to the reviews now. I, I just didn't leave this with, I, I didn't feel like I deepened my knowledge, I guess. I feel like I gained a couple of things, but in terms of if somebody asked me, these three people painted at the same time, tell me even just one thing about them. I'd be like, well, they all painted religious stuff a lot, a ton of it <laughs> different, yeah. different at different churches. And the, the, they were all in on the, with the Pope, the Pope seemed to like all of them and commissioned them for work. And so I don't know. I, I guess it, that's what's leaving me cold. Did you feel, do you feel that way? And I'm not actually asking you to answer it, but I'm more just curious if you felt that or have that. Uh, no, I didn't. And, and he never like explicitly draws like a compare contrast. No, no. Among three, but from what I was reading, I was able to kind of get a sense of like with Lippy, he pointed out that, uh, there was a lot of criticism about his ability to draw hands. And so right, what he right. started doing was like, kind of like drawing hands with like drapes and stuff over it. Which yeah. I yeah. Hilarious. Um, so it, it pointed to that particular weakness. And with um, Botticelli, it was, yeah, he did um, religious works, but he also did a lot of like Greek and, and Roman mythology works, mm -hmm. which he didn't really discuss with the other two with Da Vinci or with Lippi. Right. And then Da Vinci was just like, he could do no wrong. He was just an amazing, <laughs> he'd like, obviously that In was architecture. That was unique too. I think he was the only one where he focused on his sketching work and sort yeah. of architecture work. Yeah. He did I, mention like how, cause like he said that with uh, Lippy, Lippy was like unable to, like read and write because he had like no interest in that. And then with Botticelli, yeah. he was like, yeah, he was, he, he, it was kind of easy for him and stuff. And then with Da Vinci, it's just like, he mastered everything instantly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the Ur artist truly yeah. For, yeah. for him anyway, in this writer's estimation. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think ultimately because we rate on a simple scale here, 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 uh, can I get a second take on that one? I'm not going <laughs> to edit this people. I'm going to lightly touch that up, but that's staying in darn it. Um, yeah. It's late on a Tuesday. No, I, <laughs> We rate on a simple scale here, one being a pass, don't read it, two being perhaps qualified recommendation, and a three being you must read this in strongest terms. 
I this is the best one I, we've read, but I think I am going to go with one. I, I just have to be true to me. Mm-hmm. And the, the more I think about it, again, as we sort of dissected it on these two in this two genre camps, I just think it's if it had picked either, it would be a two for either, maybe even a three if he really dug into the anecdotes and the absurdity. Maybe that would have been like a fun romp or something, and maybe not even artful at that point, but fun. I just think, yeah, I, my reaction to it was a one. Again, odd considering we've read things here that I've had to literally put down out of boredom or because I get the sleepy eyes, and that never happened here. This was the most readable one so far. Yeah. Uh, just my own reaction tells me, steer clear of this. Experience your art history or biography in other venues, I guess. So hopefully I didn't come across as too unfair to the the sort of selected length or genre, but I think I'm going to stick with that. How about you, Amanda? How are you feeling? Um, I gave it a two. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I know I, the way that I came into it um, after reading like the first paragraph of the first one, I was like, okay, so it's meant to be more of a snippet rather than an in-depth um, right. biographical uh, telling of this person's life. So I, I tried to keep that in mind as I was reading. And as long as you are not expecting, I think just a, a like a whole bunch of just facts about this person's right. life. Right. Right. Uh, but more along the lines of like when we read uh, Mozart's letters and stuff, if you are looking to see like some fun little insights into, you know, an artist's life, then this is a good way to kind of get a sense of their personality and also the personality mm-hmm. of the writer as well. Um, he's, he's very much, you, you know, who he is as a person in a lot of ways too. Um, and yeah. yeah, I just, I thought that, for nonfiction, I'm not a huge fan of nonfiction. And I just, this was so easy to read for me. And just, it it was entertaining. Like my mom is an artist and um, she, mm-hmm. she's familiar with all three of these artists, even though Lippy is not really that well known um, unless you yeah, yeah, study art. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I agree. And so when I was talking to her about um, this stuff and I was like, oh, this is what happened in, uh, their lives she was like really interested in it too so if you have any interest in art i think that you might find these really interesting to read as well a great gateway art read so let's yeah. let's co-opt and steal that term back from the drug users out there i guess the people chasing the drug users <laughs> i don't think any <laughs> drug users say that <laughs> the people uh the people hunting them who do no, I think, yeah, it, it certainly raises some and piques some interest in Da Vinci and in these different artists and the lives they led and their their behaviors, personalities, and styles. And it does give a great taste of all that stuff. I'm sticking with one, though. I think, here we go, th- let this pod be your entry and then go, you know, go find an art book filled with Da Vinci sketches in it and then really dig into the minutiae. I'm not yeah. sure why I'm recommending that, but I for some reason that just strikes me as something um, more up my alley. Definitely the best one I've rated yet, but I'm going with my heart. Perhaps I'll regret it and we can, we'll get to that in the best of his episode. Uh, a bit of housekeeping here at the end, just small notes. Since we are coming up on the 60th episode, as we've done with all the other chunks of 20, Amanda and I are going to do a highlights episode, but we're changing the format. I'm not going to say what the format is, just that we're changing it. It will be more uh, debate heavy, shall we say? I'm, we can at least preview that. We're still prepping it. But look forward to that in a couple more episodes. That is coming up. As usual, follow us on Instagram. We are at The Stumped. That's the name of our account. And now on Facebook, too, with some plans to update that more frequently. So come see the Brothers Book Club podcast on Facebook as well. Thanks for listening. As always, uh, we will see you between the classics. Bye.